0: Whitney Putnam and I'm the host of A Big Happy Life. I'm so glad you're here. A big happy life is a life abounding in Jesus and in his habits. It's also a life of discovering who you are and what you're called to do. Jesus was a leader, therefore his followers, all of them get to be leaders too. Now this statement might have just made some of you pause. Some of you are thinking, you know, I was never called on to be the group leader of those insane high school group projects that we all despise. Some of you are thinking, I'm an introvert to my core. Some of you are thinking, you know, I just prefer to be a homebody and really not to lead. I just follow. Maybe you've been told that you are a follower but what i'm curious about is as a follower of jesus i truly believe that each of us are influencers and we each have the greatest gift to give which is jesus christ to all of humanity which therefore makes you a leader what i'm wondering about is maybe no one has ever shown you just how to use your personality your giftings to influence others in a way that is satisfying to you and life changing to others. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're not thinking, gosh, I've only been called a follower. I surely can't be a leader. Maybe you're thinking, yes, I know that I'm made to be a leader. This is who I am. Maybe you read all of the books. I totally get that. I understand. One of my favorite things about studying leadership is realizing that most of what is being taught in leadership in 2020 are the best practices that we read about through Jesus' life. Jesus truly was the very best influencer there was. His lifestyle and habits quite literally, have transformed our world. Here we are 2,000 years ago talking about him. Most of us listening here see and revere Jesus as our king, but even those that may not, you can't discount that Jesus' leadership truly made a ripple in our world. Now, We are going to try something new at A Big Happy Life. If you're new to us, we typically do interview style where I talk to incredible men and women. We model healthy conversations about what it's like to live a big happy life. And we're gonna switch gears just for five weeks. We're gonna look deep into leadership. Why? Because we want to make Jesus famous through our lives. We want to become women that others will follow. We want to become men that others will follow. And we have to also take note that what we're going to be studying here is a leadership by Jesus standards, not leadership by the world's standards. There will certainly be overlap, but really and truly, whereas the world might call some people quote unquote followers, what I am wanting to challenge us with is Realizing that if you are a student of Jesus, that you now are a leader because you have been given influence through the Holy Spirit, and you also have the best gift to give people, which is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. So all that to say, each week for five weeks, we are going to take the five B's of leadership so that we can become women and men that others want to follow. We get to make Jesus famous. Before we dive into the very first B, I just want to remind all of our listeners here that we have our first ever Big Happy Life workshop happening on November 7th. It's from 9 until 1 p.m. for those that live in Kansas City, and you are going to be able through this workshop, you're going to be able to develop exactly who you are. Okay, which seems like such a grandiose idea. How do you pin that down? You're gonna be able to have a statement to say who you are in Jesus. And you're also going to be able to have a statement over what you've been called to do. It's all completely scripture-based. You are going to leave the workshop with a mission statement. I am convinced that most of us are drifting through life being so reactive when I believe Jesus has called us to be the influencers of our culture, and therefore we need to live the most on mission using our giftings for his kingdom. So imagine what might change if you had a mission statement for your life and a community of women and men cheering you on you can find out more information at whitneyputnam.com slash workshop now back to leadership as a student of jesus the first be to be a woman and man that others want to follow is this it's to build our language build our language, discovering language that is language that others, people want to be around and influences them to become better versions of themselves. So I want to share two stories with us, um, two just from human people that I've personally interacted with. One where that person's language completely built me up, has developed me into truly a better version of myself, and she is quite literally somebody that I want to be more like because of the language that she has used around me. The other story that I want to share is the opposite. It's been when I've been around somebody whose language did not build me up and what the experience was from that. So I want to share someone, I've talked about her before, but she's very important in my life because of the example that she's been. Her name is Libby, and Libby is a woman who cracks the door open for me when I'm coming to her house, and if her door isn't cracked, she is quite literally on the other side of that door waiting for me. I know that when I'm going to be with Libby, she will not be distracted that I am the most important thing happening in her world at that time. I know that I'm going to feel listened to and valued. That is my time spent with Libby. Libby, when we talk, Libby will do certain things where she will maybe listen to me for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or an hour. And the entire time she stays engaged with me and we live in such a distracted world, this is quite honestly, a challenge, but Libby will listen to me. And the ways that I know she is still with me in that conversation is she will pause and she'll say things to me like, gosh, Whitney, can you explain to me? You just were talking about that situation. Can you explain to me how that made you feel? Or she might empathize with me and she might say, wow, that sounds so hard. Can you describe how you started working through that? She'll ask me really good questions that have shown me that she's been engaged in my conversation. Quite honestly, I don't even know where her cell phone is in the room. It's definitely not near her. She's definitely not distracted. She is totally with me and she's engaging in my conversation so much. I know she's with me. And she'll also even say sometimes, maybe we've been talking about something for a while and then she'll say, okay, let's revisit that thing. Is this exactly what you said happened? I want to know more about that. She will bring up other points so that we can go further down and I can explore those feelings deeper. I want to be more like Libby and here's why. When I leave Libby's house, I feel like the most important person in the world. I feel so loved. I feel so valued. Do you know what people can do when they feel loved and valued? They can begin to step into their giftings and who they are so much more clearly. Libby does this. And I want to side note here. It's very important that we recognize Libby is not running a company. She actually doesn't even work at a company. Libby is a mom who has raised men and women. It's a mom who is now a grandma to sweet little grandkids. It's a woman who I know she still has her own personal struggles as we all do being humans. Libby is just a regular, ordinary woman who has had deep, deep influence over my life. And much of it is because of the language she uses in and around me. Now, the opposite story to that is I remember going to our women's team at a church that we once attended, and I was bounding with passion and awe. I was there with a couple of girlfriends. We were so excited. We wanted to try some new things. We were ready. We wanted to bring If Gathering um, content to our church right when If Gathering was launching um, their If Locals. We were ecstatic. You could not calm us down. And so we sat down with our women's team and we there we are just like full hearts on our sleeves, so thrilled. And as we begin to share our enthusiasm, it's really just met with crickets. And then not only that, We continue to hear excuse after excuse of why we couldn't do that event, why we shouldn't do that event, why we shouldn't try to change something inside that culture. It was so hard. And if I'm going to be very honest, I left that day with my tail between my legs and my head was hung so low. I just felt beat up and worn out. And I didn't know how to move forward. I certainly did not feel like an important person. And what happened from that is truly there became a split. There became a division in the relationship. We couldn't seem to reconcile our differences. And and because of that, we ended up going in different directions. What could have changed in that conversation was just a change in language. For example, we might have shot out of the dark with 10 ideas and maybe nine out of 10 of them wouldn't have worked. But the thing is, is people that use language to build others up, find something, anything in a relationship with somebody else to, um, elevate to say, gosh, I noticed this idea. I love this idea. How can we work around this idea? What are some suggestions we could come alongside? I really notice that you're really passionate about this. That is an entirely different conversation than a conversation full of excuses and hard line no's. And so you see the huge differences in the two conversations. Here's one woman who really helps someone feel like they are so elevated and so important and they're a really good listener. And then you see this other where really there wasn't any listening involved. It was just shooting in the dark and saying no. And there were two dynamic changes from that. I leave the space with Libby, feeling like I can go out and influence the world. And I left that space with that woman's team, just feeling so much shame. Now, Jesus is the one who shows us mostly how to use our language. Well, I want to read with you a a passage that maybe you're familiar with, but there's one little morsel I want us to draw out of here that's so important. It's in Mark chapter five. And one day Jesus was walking right next to the sea of Galilee An official of the synagogue stopped him, right? Because Jesus is famous at this point, people are wanting Jesus to heal them or their loved ones. And so this official, this very important person, said, Jesus, can you please come and heal my very sick daughter? He has a sick daughter. She's young, um, and he wants Jesus to come heal her. Jesus says yes. As he is on his way to go and heal this daughter of this very important person, there is a little interruption, and Jesus actually ends up meeting a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years years. Many of us can recall her if we're familiar with this passage, but 12 years is a long time you guys. That is four That I'm sorry, that is three different phases of high school. Can you even imagine? Three different phases of high school. So Jesus meets this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Some of the commentaries that I even read said that this was the most pathetic person that we actually read in scripture that could be debated, but some people commented on that. Now, what this means for this woman is she had most likely started her period and it never, never stopped. Now, for those of us in this society, that'd be very inconvenient. We wouldn't want that. That would be terrible. It would just be so many trips to Walgreens, but in her day, it meant so much more The Levitical laws prescribed that a woman was ceremonially unclean during the bleeding period of her cycle for seven days. So this meant anyone who touched her or on any surface that she sat or lied on was also unclean. So anyone who touches her or is near anything that she's touched, that person becomes unclean. In the Jewish world, blood was considered the very element of life. So life was in the blood. This is why this is so important. To bleed would normally mean something bad. So bleeding was treated with a serious attitude. So this means not only is this woman actually physically having to deal with losing all this blood, but she's having to face all of these restrictions with being unclean. So this means probably she couldn't handle money. How does she buy food? How does she eat? fill in the blank, she couldn't touch tools, how is she living, where is she actually building a space to be, she couldn't eat, like she couldn't touch food that other people had touched, on and on and on it goes. So we can't really, really know what happened, but all we know is that she probably started her period as a young girl and year one, year two, year three, year four, you get the picture, she actually is labeled as unclean, for 12 years. Can you imagine how she felt? Whereas I had my tail between my legs just from that one meeting. This woman is a woman who feels so much shame, so much exclusion. She feels so unimportant, but she heard that this Jesus, this famous healer was coming by. And she knew that if she could just touch Him that he would be able to heal her, but she also had to be thinking that if she touched him, she would make him unclean too. So that's a little bit of a problem because he's this healer, and if she makes him unclean, that's going to be a serious situation. So she must've come up with a plan that she was going to sneak up on this Jesus and just touch him from behind, which is exactly what she does. She does touch him from behind, not even thinking that he would feel it, but just that if she could touch, she would be healed. She does it. And Jesus immediately, remember he is with a very important person. He's going to go heal that very important person's daughter. Immediately. Jesus says, who touched me? I can just imagine. I wonder what she did. Did she turn away? Did she try to run away? Did she cower lower? Did she stand up taller? I have no idea. But what I do know is how Jesus used his language with this woman in front of the very important person and the crowds that had all deemed her unclean. Jesus turns to her and he says to her, your faith has made you well. That's beautiful. She's healed immediately. But there's a word in there that he uses that's so incredibly important. It's the only time this word is used in the New Testament. He calls this woman who has had no family, no friends, no community. She has been the outcast, she has been thrown aside from society. And Jesus uses his language to build her up. And he says, My daughter. Sometimes it doesn't take a speech to use our language. Sometimes it takes just a few words to make people feel so important and valued and loved. And Jesus turned in front of all of those people, in front of the very important person and said, my daughter, your faith has made you well. If Jesus used his language in powerful ways to influence others, then we as his students get to use his use language in powerful ways as well. So here are some, here's some language that we can use to influence others. These are just some phrases that are good to tuck in our back, back pockets. We could say things like, I noticed when you. That means we are keeping observations on the people around us. We are making sure that they know that we are noticing them. So I noticed when you, or your opinion and thoughts matter a lot to me. This one is key. When we're living in such a divisive age, we're living in the age of outrage, we will disagree on matters. So instead of just letting rage win it all, we can say things like your opinion and thoughts matter a lot to me and they should matter a lot to us. We should be good listeners because leaders actually should be the best listeners of all of all the influencers. Another phrase is, when you said that, I heard. That's really a clarifying phrase. That's like those phrases that Libby would say, meaning, I'm so engaged with you. I hear your story. I'm understanding your feelings. When you say that, I heard you express. So again, it's making that person feel like they're really being understood. People that feel understood. Are going to become the best versions of themselves. Therefore, going out into the world, influencing others. So, here's just some quick tips when you are trying to use language to influence others. Notice you language. You should say as many use as you possibly can when you are talking to other people. Use the word you. Notice one thing about an idea and elevate it. That goes back to that example with the women's team. You know what? You might meet with somebody and they might have 20 terrible ideas. Pick out one that's semi-okay and elevate that before you start working through the others. Notice performance and celebrate. People are craving to be seen Notice just one small thing, maybe, or big thing that they do, and make sure you use your words to celebrate that thing. Also, don't use your words and celebrate that thing and add on five other things immediately after. Just pick an opportunity to praise that person and don't add any conditions around it. And in that same vein, notice simply being and celebrate that too. Some people just know need to know that their existence, the fact that they keep showing up to work, the fact that they are just your kid and they are loved no matter what. Some people just need to be known that they can be a human and that can be celebrated too. Again, don't conditionally add other things to that. That can be done in a different conversation. When you choose to celebrate, make it purely a celebration. And finally, notice words that elevate people over projects and policies. You guys, people are always going to matter more than our projects and policies. Why? Because it's people that move forward projects and policies. So when we can elevate people, then we are actually going to be able to see our projects and policies push forward better in more fuller understanding because your people feel elevated. This is so important. Projects and policies will be fueled by your people feeling valued. This can be from a company where in your team meetings, but it also can be your family unit. When your kids feel loved and valued I guarantee your chore lists are going to go a lot easier. You guys, I hope that you are able to take some of these things. I hope that you are able to specifically build your language to become the best influencer you can so that we can make Jesus famous. A Big Happy Life really is a life all about Jesus and all about his habits. And since he was the greatest leader, the greatest influencer, we can learn from him and become great leaders two come back for the next four b's that we'll be talking about as far as developing our leadership thanks so much for joining me you guys hey if you would review this podcast that is like you getting out a megaphone and saying hey world there is a big happy life out there and we can all live into it if you would literally take one minute to hop on and give a couple sentence review. That is huge. That is a way that you are actually getting to further Jesus influence because the more we do that, the more this message gets out. And please, please share this. Share this with your mom friends. Talk about how you can build up your language with your kids. Share this with your team. Talk about how you can use up, use language with one another. Maybe come up with a few key phrases that you want to use together. Again, it's a huge thanks. It really is teamwork that makes this podcast happen. Thanks to Sandra Hausman Design and Corey Thomason Productions. You guys, I hope you get out there and live your big happy life and become the very best leader that you can be.